Earl Dotson Jr. We are here on the 205 Vibe, and um, I, I can't tell you how much and how honored I am uh, to be able to talk uh, to the Honorable uh, Retired United States Magistrate Judge, the one and only Michael Mahoney. Hello, sir. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Earl. It was also, you should tell people, it was a Pleasure. The time when you and I met before and the great job that we did working together as, as far as helping select the new magistrate judge that's now in Rockford, Illinois. That's a great place to start. I mean, let's just start there. I mean, I think I know that's an important part of your work. I had the, uh, the distinct honor of being part of the magistrate selection panel. And then um, you he played a big part in that. And I really appreciate that. Let's just jump just jump right in there, Your Honor. I mean, I just for people who don't really um, it's not necessarily a public process, if you will. But just uh, the, you know, you know, going through the process of selecting another magistrate judge. Just talk, talk sure. about that. Sure. Well, first, like. we should mention that that now the number of magistrate judges in Rockford is up to two. Uh, and there's a district court judge, and there's a bankruptcy judge, and there's a senior district court judge. Magistrate judges have to have community input in order to be selected. District court judges do not. That's up to the senators and the president. But if you're going to select a magistrate judge, first of all, there has to be a committee uh, that is formed that takes all the candidates, and then the job of that committee is to limit those candidates down to five. And then the five are sent to the district court judges, and they have to choose among the five or go back to the committee to get more names as far as everything is concerned. And if that person doesn't make that five that comes out of the community, then it will not be selected by the district court judges. And you and I just went through this process in the fall uh, and and you should tell him how much time goes into it and how much yes. effort goes in, how much investigation is done by the members of the committee as far as calling up people that uh, that that maybe are on one side of a lawsuit with these people and maybe people that have been on the other side and judges that they've appeared in front of. It's 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 a I think uh, interesting and huge vetting process that we did to approximately fifty candidates. I agree. I, I was just, again, I was on the first one for when we selected Ian Johnson and now this round. Um, and we should it, say we, with the, the selections ended up with Lisa Jensen. I, I did want to ask you just to just to start off. Um, um, obviously, you have you've had a long storied career uh, on the bench. Um, but I wanted you just for our listeners who, you know, not everybody knows who you are, but if you would, whatever you want to say about just your beginnings, where, where, where you, where sure. you were, grew up at and, you know, how you got started in the, in the law practice and, you know, we, you know, the, the, the being here in Freeport, uh, you know, just, uh, their whole connection, uh, there. Well, I was, uh, my family came to Freeport when I was young. I went to grade school here, uh, high school here at Aquin High School. Um, then I went to St. Ambrose College and ended up at the University of Illinois Law School. And the University of Illinois Law School is, is where I ran into tremendous people and people that ended up practicing law all through the state of Illinois. And one of my professors, Prentice Marshall, ended up chosen to be a district court judge in the early 70s. And he then got assigned to Freeport 
and we had known each other and worked with each other in law school. And that was the start of somebody approaching me as to whether or not I'd be interested in applying for uh, the magistrate judge's position. By the way, then, the, when I started, the federal court was actually in Freeport, Illinois. Hmm. It hmm. was on the second floor hmm. of the post office in Freeport. The first, hmm. the first uh, courthouse. Did I know that? Interesting. Yeah, the first courthouse hadn't been built yet in Rockford. And, of course, now there's been a beautiful second courthouse built as far as everything is concerned. But I was 29 years old when I was originally selected to be a federal magistrate judge. That was 1976. Uh, At that time, I was the youngest magistrate judge ever selected. And um, I ended up being the magistrate judge that stayed in office the longest period of time in the Seventh Circuit. Uh, I left left in 2014 uh, and, and then took retirement, but as I pointed out to you, what I do now is I do arbitrations and mediations and work about half time. <laughs> I did ask you about that uh, earlier, um, and I love the answer you gave me back, um, but I, I did want to ask you about, so just just so we are make sure that people understand, we've, you, we've, we've said this term now, magistrate judge. Sure. Um, if you would, just explain kind of the difference between what someone would consider just a regular federal judge or maybe even a state judge that people go before, whether it's traffic fines or criminal court. Uh, what's, what's, what are the differences between what a magistrate would do and what a, a, a normal, I guess, a federal judge might do? Well, a federal district court judge the difference between a magistrate judge and a federal district court judge is that a federal district court judge is selected by the president and can handle felonies. Magistrate judges handle everything except felonies. So those are left with the district court judges. But in the federal court, if a warrant is signed, if in fact there's a civil case which can be of any level, Uh, if, in fact, there's a settlement conference, if, in fact, there's a discovery dispute. And all these things might be things I'm saying that I understand your general listeners don't necessarily know about. But think think of the magistrate judge as being the guy that keeps the case moving. Gotcha. That it's his responsibility not to let any case linger in federal court. We set timelines for the attorneys. We make them get their case ready for trial or hearing or settlement conference. We will not let a case languish, okay? And it's the job of the magistrate judge to work closely with the district court judge to see basically that everybody's needs are being taken care of in the federal court. It was particularly important in the Western Division, which you associate with Rockford, it's it's really 11 counties, It's particularly important in the Western Division because when I started out, there was no district court judge in the Western Mm -hmm. Division. Mm -hmm. And so the magistrate judge took on a a higher role as far as having to do things. There was not a full-time district court judge assigned to the Western Division until Judge Roskowski was assigned in 1985. So during the period of time I started out as magistrate judge, there was a nine-year period of time where I had some rotating district court judges, but nobody was full-time, uh, you know, sent to Rockford, Illinois. Nobody was there. Only the magistrate judge was there. That's, that's grown so much over the years now. 
uh, largely to the great work that was done by Judge Roskowski. And, of course, your listeners should know that, that the federal district court building in Rockford, Illinois, is the Stanley J. Roskowski courthouse. And that's because of his contribution to the country and also his contribution to bringing about a real federal presence as far as everything is concerned in Rockford. Now in Rockford, there's probably somewhere nine, ten assistant U.S. attorneys that are assigned full-time in Rockford. When I started out, there were zero U.S. attorneys assigned full-time to Rockford. And that has had a huge impact as far as the cases that they prosecuted. But I should let you ask another question. No, no, I just, please, please. <laughs> uh, you know, the, these these podcasty shows are all about the guests. And, uh, you know, I, you could just, I, you can just keep talking as far as I'm concerned because uh, that's who people want to hear. They want to hear you. Um, but thank you for providing just such a rich history, right? And I think sometimes that gets lost upon people who don't, you know, we don't look back sometimes and uh, think things just kind of, just happen or magically appear and don't sometimes just reflect on a lot of the hard work uh, that that's gone into um you know that federal building and you know having what we have now um i i wanted to ask you just next about um just when we talk about you know, now that we've kind of had this distinction of you know judges just again most people only know whether unless you appear in front of a judge you may know we may know some judges personally or what you may see on tv but i guess i just wanted to ask you um you know all the time you spent on the bench um just what is that like i mean it just seems like that's an awesome responsibility to sit and judgment if you will and try to decide what is right or what is wrong when you have you know Literally, someone's life is on the line who, who's coming to seek justice. I mean, how do you view and approach that responsibility in that part of your work? The first thing you got to do is listen carefully. I mean, that, that sounds simple, but you listen carefully and then don't make up your mind until you have all the information as far as everything is concerned, okay? And then to some extent, You've got to put it all together and then make a judgment call. All judges have a certain amount of discretion, okay? But all judges are also limited by the statutes and the laws. We can't do things and make things up as we go along. However, it is your responsibility often to decide if this person's going to have 40 years in prison or going to have 20 years in prison. It's your decision to decide if a summary judgment's going to be granted against this person so they don't even get a day in court in front of a jury. And then, of course, when you're sitting on a jury trial, it's, it's your job to make sure the trial is fair and fairly done so that the jury can get accurate information so that the jury has a chance to bring about the most appropriate result based upon the law and the facts that they determine. One of the great joys you have with the judge is working with jurors. I love jurors. If anybody tries to take away the jury system, in this, in, even in civil cases, everyone should oppose it. There is, I can't do anything without the average person on the street hearing evidence telling me what the facts are. The jurors are in control of things. And leaving it in their control is why the system still works. 
You don't want guys like me just deciding things all the time. All right. Let, let me go a little bit deeper into that. Thank you. That's a great. You know that that's I find that's interesting, right? It's fascinating at the uh, in that to, to, just to hear you say that because um, that's our system, right? That's you know that's our system and it's worked. However, what would you say to those who argue um, when we have uh, in our history, if you will, where there have been all white juries who convict black, uh, you know, defendants when, uh, um, you know, whether it's true or not, juries that have been people say you've been bribed or when the system have somehow been corrupted or um, people have not felt that they have been dealt with fairly by the judicial system. Um, how, how would you answer those folks who feel that way? Based on what you just said about the jury and the importance of it. Um, There's a lot of things you've said there. Okay. So, so I'm just curious, me, though, when me, you say, because you put, because we do, we have to put our stock in that. Um, but there are those we know who don't, may not feel that way. So I would just be curious what you would say to them. Well, we, we can start out with, let's talk about the, uh, the uh, African-American defendant in a criminal case who looks up and sees an all-white jury. And I can't tell you that when I was, you know, you'll hear, that's not a jury of my peers. Sure. Okay. And first of all, no one can be excluded from a jury because of their color. All right? And it's up to the court to make sure that doesn't happen. That's called the Baxton case. So... Everybody has to have the opportunity to have a member of the general public on the jury. Now, it, if in fact you're in a community that has a 10% minority population, obviously the probabilities of you having someone on the jury that's a minority is diminished. But we have to make sure that it's not impossible mm -hmm. and that you could have that person on the jury. That's an opportunity to judge by the peers. There's a lot of studies out there as to whether or not having one African-American or two on a jury has an impact on the jury or not. Uh, we're cognizant of those things. We try to make sure that the minority, at least in federal court, that the minority community is clearly part of the veneer, the jury pool from which they're drawn. And we want to make sure that they're not excluded when they're chosen. So that's one of the things. Everybody that loses the case thinks... There's something wrong with the system. And everybody that wins a case thinks it's wonderful, okay? True. So you have to understand, there's always going to be somebody that's sure. not going to be happy with the results. Sometimes both parties aren't happy sure. with the results as far as everything is concerned. But whatever a jury does or whatever a judge does is appealable to the circuit court, the Seventh Circuit, and the federal suit. It's looked over again by three other judges, and ultimately you can get to the Supreme Court. That'd be unusual, but you can do it. So that everything that's being done along as far as the process is concerned is reviewed. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, a lot of times when people lose, you have to sit down and show them that you're losing because of what the law says. Sure. Okay? It's not what the jury said. It's not what the particular judicial officer said. That's the way Congress wrote the statute. Mm -hmm. And so if you've got a gripe, you're really going to have to start out with the people that are writing the laws, not not with the courts. So again, that's again, I find that's interesting. Uh, so just just to dive a little bit deeper in, into that 
component when you mention, you know, potentially getting to the Supreme Court, um, um, the Congress who writes the statutes, writes the laws. Um, obviously, you know, many judges brilliant. I mean, to get there, I mean, it's obviously lots of lots of hard work. But again, back to this idea of fairness in our system, um, those who are cynical about the political aspect of selecting judges, judges getting elected, judges for the Supreme Court being selected, uh, oftentimes based on the, the party, you know, the president, whoever is in the office. Um, what would you say, again, about this idea of looking at the law and interpreting the law in a way every you know i'm sure you would you say that judges can sometimes interpret the law differently but can you assure and how do you feel about the notion that um, the world politics plays in selecting judges and is there this kind of right left divide about how we interpret look at the law i never ran into it okay Look, you just went through the vetting process. Was politics involved in all in that vetting process? No, sir. Not a bit, was it? Do we even know the political view of the people that we put on that list? No, sir. Never got into play, did it? Neither did the district court judges when they made their choices. Now, when you get to the Supreme Court, some other things are at play, but it still has to be run through the Senate before it's approved as far as everything is concerned. We should point out to the group, all federal judges are not elected. Matter of fact, no federal judges are elected. No bankruptcy judges, no magistrate judges. There is a selection process for that. As such, there's a tremendous vetting process that go through before, in fact, they can be selected to do the job. I don't know much about the state side with elections. Uh, I would think that that would be more open to some of the things that you're talking about. Sure. But there are a lot of rules that those people cannot, a federal judge cannot participate in any political party to an extent that he holds themselves out as supporting anyone. No one from the Supreme Court can make an ad saying that they would like the president to be reelected, okay? We can't do that. If you notice, you don't get to interview many federal judges. We don't come out. We do what we write in our opinions. Other than that, you're not going to see them on TV. Not the federal judges. You're not going to see them. You're not going to see the Supreme Court judges on TV being interviewed by Fox News. We don't do that. <laughs> and that's why I'm so, again, I just have to say I'm so honored, sir, that you are retired. Uh, well, I'm retired. retired now, so I can do that. <laughs> Trust me, 20 years ago, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> Uh, so, what, just because again, I, I just think it's interesting. Um, uh, you know, you put a higher emphasis on the federal judges, and in terms of rules, and well, I mean, all I, judges, I, but because you say you don't know a lot about the state, yeah, I but know, but I, I've heard I've, I've heard this that uh, from attorneys and others that hey, you know, when you walk into a federal courtroom versus walking into a state, it, you kind of there's a difference in the approach. I mean, is that is there some truth to that? There is some truth to it, but but it shouldn't be carried too far, okay? Uh, federal courts are courts of limited jurisdiction. Uh, criminally wise, they only take cases that they want to. When state court 
you've got more problems on the street that state court has to deal with that dominates. If you go into the Winnebago County Courthouse, okay, and if you go in front of a judge there, and if you go into the Stanley J. Ruskowski Federal Courthouse in Rockford and go and observe Judge Kapala today, you're going to see a difference. You're going to see a difference in person power that's inside the uh, place. You're going to see a difference in the type of building that you're dealing with. You're going to see a difference in the type of cases that you're dealing with. Uh, that's just a fact of life. Wow, you're just giving me great segues. The types of cases that you're dealing with. So obviously you've seen thousands and thousands I mean, I don't know if you have a count of the cases that no. have come before you. No, there was, a, there was a one time that Judge Reinhardt and I had approximately 600 pending civil cases. And you have to remember, we, we try to rotate them in and out. You, you know, you normally will not find a, a two- or three-year-old case pending in federal court because we, we will expect everybody to be done and ready to go. So you've obviously you've had some high profile cases in your career, sure. um, you know, everyone, your connection, certainly with Rockford, with the people who care suit. Um, I think the Rita Crumwell case, you had some sure. some you know, dealings yeah. there. Uh, I know there were some other, uh, you know, some other cases, criminal ca- some cases uh, that, that, that were that made the headlines. I, I guess I just want to ask about. um you know what the nature of the case, whether it's considered high profile or not. Um, you know how do you, how is that is that different? I mean, how do you? I mean, what, what's different for the courtroom, the atmosphere, the judge? What you know, our show is called the Two O Five Vibe. What type of vibe do you try to set in your courtroom, uh, and particularly when you have someone that's you know some of these high profile cases that you've seen? Uh, calmness, control. We're in control of the situation once you set on our block. We're in control of the situation inside the building. We're going to listen to what everybody says, but we're not going to take any nonsense. We're going to issue an order. We're going to expect it to be filed, followed, and if it's not followed, there's going to be consequences for not following the order. But we're going to be fair, and we're going to be reasonable, but we're going to be firm, and we're going to handle the situation. Wow. Wow, that, that 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 this hearing you say that, looking at you, that's uh, yeah, that's that's pretty serious and pretty direct. Well, at times and, uh, it has to be. Yes. The other thing is that there are some times when you come into that courtroom that you you have to control the situation, but also you have to set the tone. You have to set the tone with everybody that this is very serious, that the attorneys are going to stand when they're talking to you. Okay that they're going to stop talking when you tell them to stop talking, okay? And then you're going to get across to everybody that what we're doing here today is very serious, and they should take it very seriously, and they should think about very carefully what they're telling you, and that you'll expect them to tell them accurate information, and if they don't, you're going to be very disappointed. So I, I, you know, obviously, I, I just, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to rehash for necessarily, you know, the the big the education lawsuit in Rockford, um, but I, I guess I just want you to, I guess I just wanted to ask you, you know, just when you reflect, if you will, I mean, when you look back during that time period, 
and um, what was happening at the time, um, how the process you went through, the decisions, the decisions that you made, um, how that impacted the community, um, and in terms of um, you know obviously doing what was right. I think I mentioned to you earlier, you're you know obviously. Uh, revered and loved by by some and you're the villain to others um, but when you just look back on that period of time um, not that you would have done anything differently but I mean how what, just what are your thoughts on that whole case my thought on the whole case is number one I don't know the impact of the case you would have a better idea than I do I I left the Rockford school system in 2002 when they were granted unitary status really haven't followed it since then uh, the, th- the thing we did with that case was we followed where the facts led us, okay? And where the facts led us and created situations that showed intentional discrimination, we tried our best to get those straightened out and back on track and to make sure that they never happened again as far as that school system is concerned. And that's, uh, that's what the appellate court put in their last decision, when it came down, that hopefully the Rockford school system would never be in the federal court again, because it was the second time they had been in the federal court. The first time, the first time was in the 70s, and I really didn't have anything to do with the case. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time was the late 80s. It's uh, from 1989 to 2002, and uh, the hope is that that Rockford will never be back there again, and certainly that no one will show intentional discrimination, which was shown uh, last time, and something that just had to be corrected. So follow the facts. That's what we did. Follow the facts. Um, so, we, I mean, and at that time, it wasn't as if you considered yourself, you're, you're a judge, right? You didn't really, it wasn't, when, when those cases come to you, it wasn't about, I'm an expert in education, oh, no. or yeah. I don't consider myself to listen, be. Listen, listen, no judge wants to see that case. Mm. You're, you're sitting there, you've got 600 other civil cases, you've got these criminal cases, and all of a sudden you look and you've got this giant coming over the horizon, okay? And it was tried to be head off a couple times. There were the interim orders which were done in the late 80s, okay? But then uh, by the time you got through the liability hearing and you got through all the evidence and everything, you knew the giant had gotten there and, and was going to have to be slayed. And then you go through that. Judges don't like those type of cases. I mean, you know, nobody's going to like you afterwards. Sure. You know, there was the potentiality of, of busing kids and raising people's taxes. Wh- who's going to like that as far as anything is concerned? Um, but you know what? You have to follow the law, and you have to follow the facts. That's your job. That was my job. It wasn't part of a political philosophy or some type of social movement. It was facts, law. What in the world were you all thinking of? We've got to get this straightened out. Period. Period. Wow. That was, that was great. Uh, so I'm just curious when you obviously education is an important part, I guess, of society in terms of, you know, we have to we educate um, 
you know, our populace, if you will. I'm just curious your opinion on, do you have an opinion on just the educational system in terms of um, where it's been, what kind of where it is, where we, where we're going? Um, How should we as a country deal with really some of the, a lot of the kind that you got, you saw a lot of those, a lot of complex issues around educating and, and, you know, educating our, 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 you know, our, our citizens, if you will. But there are many complexities that go into that, whether it's prenatal, whether it's early childhood, whether it's your environment, whether it's poverty, socioeconomics. Um, do you have an opinion about any of that? Not really. I, I was never an educational expert. Uh, that's why I hired so many people to help the court out as far as where to go to try to bring about results. The only thing I would say to the educational community is don't be afraid to be innovative. Don't be afraid to try something. Uh, every school has, doesn't have to be the same, okay? Schools can be different, and they can attract different people for different reasons. So I would say to the, both the, the, any, any community, uh, be innovative in your educational system. If it's not working, try something else. Okay. I did want to ask you about um, just back to your career. You've had some, um, you know, just what I know. You've got some some things that some people felt strongly enough to name after you. I believe you have a a room in the Ruskin the Rostenkowski building. Ruskowski. Ruskowski building. Yeah. I have a, Talk about that. that what, sure. What's that? Uh, what's that? How did that come about? When I ret- well, I don't know really. When I retired, uh, 2014, uh, Judge Ruskowski was there. He and I had been through everything together. Uh, I came on in '76. He came on in '77. Uh, Judge Ruskowski and I never had anything we disagreed on in all those years. And he, there is a section, It well, it's where you were. Mm-hmm. It's where you were when you did the vetting. It's about three rooms. Okay, so that's that area. And it's called there. the Mediation Center. Okay. And uh, that is the Mahoney Mediation Center in, in, the, in the building. It's like I told Judge Ruskowski when he told me this, and I was standing up, and he told me, I said, Stan, let me see if I understand this. You get a building and I get a room? (laughs) And then I was honored that same day that they told me that they were going to name the section of the Federal Bar Association that covers the Western uh, Division. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, the Michael Mahoney. Yes, it's the uh, P. Michael Mahoney section of the Federal Bar, which... You know, it's, I don't know. That's it. You should be. That you should be proud. Of. That's a. That's well, sure. a distinct. That's an honor. Obviously, sure. sure. Uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, those things were a surprise to me. Well, I certainly want to say uh, congratulations and uh, very well deserved. Um, I also wanted to ask you about. Um, you know, speaking when you talked about education, the other part of education per se is you 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 spent time as an adjunct professor. Yeah. Uh, what, what what was that experience like, and how do you feel boy, about? Boy, that was doing, wonderful. Yeah. That was just wonderful for twenty two years at NIU's law school. Uh, at night, I would get done with my work on Tuesday night, and I would drive down to DeKalb, and I taught an advanced criminal procedure. A law class uh, 
I would average somewhere between 30 and 53 L's, third-year law students. And that was probably, uh, outside of being a federal judge, one of the most rewarding times that I had. That was just enjoyable. Uh, I, they, the, the, I taught it from a constitutional point of view, so we mainly went through decisions that were being handed down and have been handed down uh, by the uh, Supreme Court of the United States. And um, I learned a lot. I learned a ton uh, teaching it. I was able to uh, tell them some things about the federal court, and uh, it was just an you know, extremely enjoyable experience. Awfully smart people coming out, awfully smart, very enjoyable. And then after I left, they had an illness, and I came back for one semester and taught one semester in 2015. But then I told them that that, that was enough. You won't believe how much work that is. <laughs> because if you're not ready to go for two or three hours with your third-year law students, okay, they'll let you know about it right away if you're not, if you're not on track. Sure. Very good school. Very, mm -hmm. very nice to have that school located where it is for the citizenry of uh, Rockford and for the federal court. I am uh, definitely an alum that's... Uh Earned my bachelor's degree at NIU. Love the, I'm a Husky, so I love that school. Um, as we wind down here, Judge, and again, I really, really appreciate your time, sir. Um, so you you retired in 2014. Correct. You're, we're, we're in your office here in Freeport. I mean, you're looking sharp, man. You, you suited and booted. Uh <laughs> Are you going to retire again? I mean, would, do you have some well, other? You, never, you have some other interests. Is there something? Do you want to go? You want to go sailing? You want to go traveling? You want to? Is there? You want to go no. fishing or golfing or no. any like of those things? Here. I like. I, I like this part. This is. I don't leave in the winter very long. I go away for two weeks. I stay here. First of all, I don't take any clients now. No, I don't go in any courtrooms. I don't do anything like that. I only do arbitrations and mediations. When I was in federal court, the administrative office estimated that I had done 2,000 settlement conferences during the time that I was there. I like doing that, and I'm doing what I like. It was hard to leave the courtroom because I liked doing that. I'm not going to be some guy that wants to go down the river in a canoe, or uh, I'm not going to be somebody that's going to say, boy, I wish I'd done this or that sure. in my lifetime and not what I did. Sure. You know what, Earl? I did exactly what I wanted to do. I did it as long as I wanted to do it. I still want a reason to get up in the morning and take a shower and put say a suit that. on and do something. Yes, I'm seven, 73 now. Say that, brother. And I have no plans to retire at all um, uh, until I come up here and they tell me that uh, that, that it's it's time for me to go away. You know, <laughs> and that's the other trick I tell everybody that's listening. You know, leave before they throw you out. <laughs> All right. Well, that's great advice. That's great advice. Uh, last few, last question. Uh, we just this is just our little fun questions, and just to get to know you a little better, we ask everybody this. So, three quick questions. The first, um, if you and I, or if you're at home relaxing, or if I jump in the car with you and, uh, and I'm and I'm the passenger, what do you what are you listening to? Is there is there a particular type of genre of music when you're relaxing that you like to just chill too i'll have uh mostly 50s and 60s music uh buddy holly roy orbitson ray charles 
There it is. There it is. Good, that, good people. Good people. Yeah, I just and that was the other part. The, the artist or the genre. So thank you. What about uh, uh, if your favorite? It's your, it's your birthday. It's, it's Father's Day. Your family's taking you out to either a restaurant uh, or your favorite restaurant or your favorite dish. Like if you had something, if you had to choose, like this is what I. This is my go-to meal. What would that be? Well, probably the favorite restaurant for my family is Stone Eagle. Okay. Uh, over there with Jimmy. And what I really like to do, I like to go to the bar. <laughs> I like somebody else to be driving, and I have a cocktail. <laughs> and I like to have the peel and eat shrimp, and I like to talk to everybody at the bar. <laughs> Thank you. Last one. <laughs> what about um, I mean, if you watch TV at all, or a favorite movie? Are you reading more, or do you? Or if there's something that you, is there a movie uh, that you, a TV show? Do you watch any television? There's no particular TV show. Um, I do read some a little bit more. I've started reading like the, the New Yorker more than mm-hmm. I ever did mm-hmm. before. Uh, but probably, uh, uh, probably I have to confess, uh, if it's got a, a ball and a clock, I want to watch it. <laughs> there it is. Ladies and gentlemen, the Honorable Michael Mahoney. Judge Mahoney, Judge Mahoney uh, retired United States magistrate, federal judge. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I really appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Well, you know, Earl, it was a pleasure when I first dealt with you six months ago. And that's when you asked me to do this. And as you'll probably note, I haven't done many. <laughs> but for you, anything. I appreciate it, sir. God bless. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the 205 Vibe Podcast. If you'd like to comment on the show, please call us at 815-490-4117. Leave us a voice message and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening.